the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The answer. Thanks for joining us at nine minutes past ten o'clock on this Wednesday, the twenty seventh morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, twenty nineteen. So uh we're all pretty much triggered right about now. <laughs> I hate to sound like a liberal democrat, but um it is easy it is easy to get triggered, to be quite honest with you, uh when you uh when you watch a miscarriage of justice like this, you know, we try to think sometimes that Justice under the law is equal for everyone. We try to convince ourselves that privilege in terms of fame and wealth and political connections don't mean you get to evade the law. But, of course, we we know that's not true. We saw that it wasn't true in the case of Hillary Clinton and her acolytes uh, after James Comey ran down. 20 minutes worth of indictable offenses uh, when he was still the FBI director telling us about all of the things, the illegal things that uh, Hillary Clinton had done, and then telling us, by the way, we're not going to indict her. <laughs> we're not going to recommend indicting Hillary Clinton. Why? Because she's Hillary Clinton and because some people are above the law. Uh, then you see this semi-famous empire actor, and I have to admit I did not know him before this because I do not watch that show. But he's famous enough in Chicago to be buddy-buddies with uh, Jesse Jackson. He's famous enough in Chicago to be buddy-buddy with Michelle and Barack Obama. He's uh, famous enough in Chicago to be buddy-buddies with the prosecutor, Kim uh, Fox. And guess what? He's famous enough to get 16 felony counts against him. Dropped 16 felony counts. In an emergency hearing today, a judge granted prosecutors' request to drop charges against Smollett. In a statement, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office wrote, After reviewing all of the facts and circumstances of the case, including Mr. Smollett's volunteer service in the community... Volunteer? I have to interrupt these things, and I can't let them go. Like I said, I've been triggered. Volunteer service in the community, working and stuffing envelopes for Jesse Jackson to help his political causes... And his political activism with his Rainbow Push Coalition. And agreement to forfeit his bond to the city of Chicago. We believe this outcome is a just disposition and appropriate resolution to this case. And the worst part about it is he still gets to go on proclaiming his innocence. Proclaiming that he's been honest all along. Proclaiming that he really was beat up by two Trump supporters. White guys in red hats at 2 o'clock in the morning who put a noose around his neck and spilled bleach on him. Despite the fact that two bodybuilders, black guys from Nigeria, confessed to doing it on his orders and in return for $3,500 in payments. There was no new evidence, no new witness testimony, and no explanation as to why the charges against Jesse Smollett were dropped. The assistant state's attorney, Joseph Maggots, claimed that Smollett was treated like any other defendant who has no <laughs> felony criminal background and was not involved in a violent crime. Yet the very same assistant state's attorney says we should not equate dropped charges with innocence. Oh, my goodness, and yet they didn't force him to at least plead guilty or no contest in order to get this, this, this break. So he does proclaim his innocence. And how can they say 
that this was a just outcome since it wasn't a violent crime when the entirety of the affair was an allegation of a violent crime. He alleged that he was the victim of a violent crime, that he was beaten by these two white guys wearing red hats and masks. He was beaten, and he had to fight them off. And he did so heroically because I'm the gay Tupac, right? Isn't that what he said? I'm the gay Tupac? I'm the gay Tupac. I'm tough. I can throw these things. Watch and see. You ain't going to take me down like that. Put a noose around my neck. Man, I'll beat your. I'll, I'll beat these two guys. I'll beat them down, and I'll get back to my apartment, Subway sandwich in f- fully intact. I'm going to keep that rope around my neck for another hour or two as I call my manager and my agent. Tell him everything's going well. I just did it. All right, he didn't say that part. But this is not what everybody else would have gotten. This is not justice. Even Rahm Emanuel, who, uh, uh, the mayor of Chicago, who I do do not, I do not respect even in the least. Rahm Emanuel is a part of the Obama machine, the liberal Democrat. Former Obama associate and ma- uh, uh, campaign manager, and I think wasn't he chief of staff at the outset of Obama's first term? Wasn't that Rahm Emanuel's t- uh, 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 title? I think, but he's been the mayor of the most corrupt political system, the most corrupt liberal political system, outside maybe of De Blasio in New York City, and maybe San Francisco. Formerly under Gavin Newsom, and now, of course, he's the governor of that state because you advance when you are a corrupt Democrat official. But Rahm Emanuel, I have no respect for whatsoever, but even he is speaking out against this miscarriage of justice. Where is the accountability in the system? You cannot have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them, and another set of rules apply to everybody else. You can't, but your city does. This is an unbelievable, not just whitewash of justice, this is a person now who's been let off scot-free with no sense of accountability of the moral and ethical wrong of his actions. He called it a whitewashing of the justice system. He's 100% correct. There is no accountability then in the system. It is wrong, full stop. Uh, 216-901-0945 is the number, 888-281-1110. What say you about all of this? LaGrange is where we'll go now. David, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead. Yeah, Bob, I do not know. Hopefully hopefully you can reach out to people that have knowledge of the law, but it seems to me Smollett is still on the hook for federal uh, mail fraud. We don't know that yet. Yeah, we don't know yeah, that they yet because I, they have not they have not declared with a hundred percent certainty. They have said they said they're investigating to see whether or not he sent that letter to himself or the the, the hate letter or the threatening letter to himself. Uh, but they have not said yes. We have determined that they have, and therefore federal charges will be coming. We just don't know yet. What caught my attention was they found the magazines in the accomplice's apartment with the letters <laughs> cut out. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it should be just as open and shut as, you know, the rest of this was. But, again, they are saying they can't confirm that at this point. It's the only thing we have to hope for, though, is that there will be federal mail fraud charges. And uh, and, and hopefully the, uh, you know, the federal uh, court would uh, would be a little bit less amenable to the corruption that the Chicago court was. Yeah, I have no idea who appoints the U.S. Well, I would hope Trump had appointed the U.S. attorney for that district. Yeah, but not likely. But it seems to me that... 
Excuse me, there's one, one last shot at Smollett for his hoax. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, the other thing, too, is I heard there was, uh, and thanks for the call, David, there was a um, uh, senator, I believe, a Republican senator, it might have been a House member, my apologies for not having this part of the story straight, who is suggesting that uh, what they should do in the state of Illinois, or at least in the city of Chicago, is pass uh, a new resolution or a new law, a new ordinance that says... Um, if you are, what is the phrasing of it? Essentially saying any production company that uh, hires uh, Jussie Smollett um, uh, to work on their shows would be, uh, essentially would forfeit their state tax breaks. You know, because a lot of these production companies get state or local tax breaks uh, to, to shoot in certain cities and certain locations. Cleveland does it. Cle- you know, city of Cleveland offers tax uh, uh, breaks or rebate or abatements, rather, or whatever you want to call it, uh, to try to encourage more Hollywood productions to, to be done in the city of, of uh, Cleveland. But essentially, there's at least one movement to say, hey, let's take away their tax breaks if they hire and use this guy. There's got to be a way to punish him for this. There's got to be something if the courts aren't going to do it that somebody else can do. Don't know how legitimate that would be. Uh, don't know if that's something that would be, uh, uh, you know, the the local officials in Chicago or the state officials in Illinois would want to do, but it's certainly a thought, because that's where Empire is shot, is in Chicago, of course. TJ, you're on the air. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, Bob, this is liberal justice on display. You have a man in Chicago, by intentional actions, almost started a national riot, and he gets a free pass. Now, right here at home, we have a in Painesville man who stopped the rape and sexual abuse of a child, and now he's being charged for assault. And then the 17-year-old punk that was perpetrating this sexual assault is being charged as a juvenile. Now, the Democrats say this guy can vote. He's smart enough, he's mature enough to vote, but not be charged as an adult. All I can say is to fellow listeners, if you live in a liberal area and you witness a violent crime, an assault, a rape being done, do the smart thing and just keep walking and don't get involved because you're the one that's going to be charged. Sad to say, TJ, but that is that is pretty doggone accurate. Uh, I would I would probably offer the same advice for those who don't know what TJ is talking about. By the way, as long as we're on the subject of outrage, uh, as long as we're on the subject of uh, of, uh, of of real crime and miscarriages of justice, if you did not hear about this. An East Lake guy, uh, name of uh, Christopher Banass, was charged in a 13-count indictment, uh, charged with one account of first-degree felony rape, one count of second-degree felony rape, six counts of third-degree felony gross sexual imposition, and five counts of third-degree felony sexual battery. Um. You know what? I have half of the story here, and I apologize because my uh, other my other sc- my screen is frozen. So I'm going to save the rest of that. I'm sorry. I'm going to come back to that after we take a, take a look at our traffic. But at any rate, a man who beat up uh, the sex offender uh, in caught him in the act of doing so is being charged with assault, and that's a problem. So I'm going to try to get those stories straight. I'll bring that back to you. Uh, TJ kind of caught me off guard with it, but I th- figured I could uh, wing it. I'll get you the facts. I don't want to misrepresent anything when we come right back on AM fourteen twenty. Um. Of Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 
1025, the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. We'll try to squeeze in another call or two here before the uh, bottom. But briefly, I want to correct myself. Uh, I was giving. Sadly, there are two terrible cases of child rape that were that came up at the same time when I was trying to refresh my memory on the East Lake story. I was giving you a different child rape case in which somebody pled guilty. The 43 year old that I started to tell you about. Terrible in and of itself. Uh, but that wasn't the story I meant to talk about, the one that TJ was talking about. Um, this is that story. A GoFundMe account has been set up for an East Lake man who's 20, so a young man, facing felony assault charges for the attack on an injured child rape suspect. And that uh, GoFundMe account has now reached the $30,000 plateau. Police say in East Lake that Adams. Uh, was arrested for allegedly assaulting a teenage boy who was 17, suspected of sexually molesting a young boy. I was doing laundry, and I walked out there, and there was the 17-year-old, and he had the, I I don't want to be graphic here, he had the five-year-old's genitals um, in in a place they shouldn't be. Um, I'm just going to be very cautious with that. Uh, Adam said he snapped and started beating the 17-year-old. He then posted the video of the beating on Facebook, showing the aftermath of the assault on the teen. The 17-year-old boy is not being identified because he's a juvenile. But the 20-year-old who stopped the assault, the uh, the sexual molestation, rather, in its uh, tracks while it was going on, uh, he's being charged. And again, they're raising a lot of money to try to defend him. Both Adams and the 17-year-old have been re- released from custody on bond, according to the East Lake Police Department. Adams' uncle says he created the fundraiser with the, uh, to help with the attorney and defense fees. The reactions have been mixed. Uh, some say Adams is a hero for uh, stopping this terrible sexual assault from going on and say his charges should be dropped. The others say he should not have acted with vigilante justice and should have just contacted police. Uh, I have some very definite thoughts about that. You probably can suspect, if you listen to this show, what they are. But if you would like to react to that as well, um, you may do so. 216-901-0945. Let's try to get a couple more in here before the bottom. Tom in Independence is next. Hi, Tom. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Just a comment on that Chicago situation. You know, what I was thinking about yesterday was when they interviewed that mayor, mm-hmm. he had words to say that sounded like he was disappointed in the thing. But his main comment when he was done he made it very clear that people with wealth and money can get off. And I think that just paralleled the victory the Republicans had, you know, the day before. How mysterious that was to have this uh, come out the day after the Republican victory. Yeah, there's probably something to that kind of, uh, you know, a veiled reference or a hidden message there that that uh, Emmanuel, while expressing what a lot of other people felt, which is outrage, that somebody of wealth and privilege, like Jesse Smollett, can get off to indicate somehow and hint that, see how that works. But, you know, the comparison to Trump and and the Mueller investigation is just so ridiculous. And the reason why is quite obvious. They hunted for two years, two years, trying to find evidence of collusion. And there wasn't any. They hunted for evidence of the hoax hate crime, and there was mountains of it. 
with Jesse Smollett. So for Emmanuel to say that this is somehow letting the wealthy privileged get off and buy their way out of trouble is a ridiculous comparison. But I do see your point. I can see Rahm Emanuel trying to kind of signal, uh, send that signal that this, this isn't the only time that a miscarriage of justice because of wealth and privilege has been carried out. I think it's a very good point that you make. Uh, Jim in Cleveland before the bottom. Go ahead, Jim. Yeah, Jim. Bob. Yeah. Hey, Bob. Uh, I, I, what I'm trying to understand is this was taken away from the actual uh, state state laws, it, the Jesse Mullet, right? It went to federal. No, it has not. No, this was a state. This is a uh, state prosecutor that dropped these charges. They are requesting a federal uh, investigation for potential federal for potential federal okay, charges. Okay, but there were there were felony the, charges the, uh, that were actually. They were they were uh, felony charges, and some of them were actually federal laws. Correct? Um, yeah, but he wasn't being charged in federal court. He was only he had only been indicted in state court. Right. Well, my whole point is, is why can't this get turned over to like uh, like they try to turn the Trump to the Ninth Circuit Court? You know, like why can't this be overturned or their decision be overturned at a higher level in a federal court? Because it was a federal um, law that was broken. The hate crimes are federal yeah. laws, are they not? Well, well, you're right, but this is see what you're asking, Jim, is a question without an answer. I'm sorry to say because they didn't have a conviction which could then be appealed to another court. You know, you can always appeal a conviction um, when somebody is acquitted. You cannot appeal an acquittal. That's just it. He's free to go, and you can't charge him again because that would be double jeopardy. But in this case, there was no conviction nor acquittal. They just kicked the charges. Right. The prosecutor right, and then they the indictment. And then they and then you said we're so going to not charge him anymore. What, and then, right. exactly. and then they sealed it so, so nobody else can look at it. Right, That's so nobody else I, can I look at it, it and perhaps try to present it in a, in a different court or a different forum to to uh, present for charges then. That's exactly right. The sealing of it is just as much of a a criminal act, I think, as much as dropping the charges so that nobody can see all of the evidence against him, which would then outrage the public further at the fact that they let this guy off without even making him uh, admit his guilt by pleading guilty. Thank you for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, it's 1030. Let's get news now on AM 1420. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. I'm just reading 1035. The Bob Brands Authority continues. I'm just reading a little bit more on the case that TJ referenced that I tried to share with you as well. Um, what a horrible set of circumstances. Um, briefly, to share some of this with you, now this is by Newsweek, and I don't really mean to go to a national publication, especially one that is disreputable as Newsweek is, but I think this is the best summary that I've seen thus far. An Ohio man has been charged with uh, after allegedly beating up a 17-year-old who was found to be molesting a 5-year-old. Richard Adams, 20, arrested on suspicion of felony assault after attacking the teen, allegedly attacking the teen, having walked in on him and, the, and allegedly discovering him with the child's genitals uh, where they should not be. Adams then posted a video of the aftermath of the attack uh, showing the teen's bloodied face. The East Lake Police Department reported Adams' arrest on Facebook before deleting the post. Speaking to uh, Cleveland 19 News, Adams described how he snapped after finding the teen allegedly abusing the child. Quote, I was doing laundry and I walked out. There was the 17-year-old who had a 5-year-old's pants down to his ankles and he had the 5-year-old's 
genitals inside of his mouth, adding that he started attacking the teen after getting him away from the child. He said that the 17-year-old had touched him there, or touched him right there, and that he had previously touched him the night before. Adam said, I kind of just snapped. I didn't know what to think. The suspect says he does, he does now regret putting a video of the beaten 17-year-old onto Facebook. I do feel sorry for the video. He said I should not have posted that, and I do feel remorseful for the video situation. I want everyone to stop all child offenders and predators that are out there. Uh, I don't want no child to have to go through that. The unnamed 17-year-old has been charged on suspicion of rape. A GoFundMe page, as I mentioned, has been set up to pay for his legal fees. Jeff Cook, the uncle, I believe, writes that Ricky blacked out as he flashes back from his childhood, as flashbacks from his childhood were hitting him. He now faces a felony of the second degree, carrying two to eight years in prison. He needs Lake County's best to defend him. Unfortunately, his job is seasonal and he hasn't returned back to work yet. Only gets enough uh, while laid off to pay his bills. Anything will help him. This is on the GoFundMe page. So uh, he is essentially saying that we need to rally for this guy because he did the right thing, and he did the, re- the right thing, by the way, in part because he had flashbacks to his own abuse that he had suffered when he was a child. There is another story on this. Um, from uh, This is from News 5 Cleveland, Channel 5. They talked to a legal expert from Case Western who said, the kid should have been arrested, or the 20-year-old should have been arrested. He's not saying what he did was wrong, but that the arrest by the police was the right thing. Michael Benza, senior law instructor at Case Western, said, quote, The police are getting a lot of flack here for doing exactly what they are supposed to do. We have evidence here that two different crimes have been committed. We're going to arrest both of them. We're going to refer this to the prosecutor, and the prosecutor will decide what we are going to do, he said. In some regards, you see this oftentimes in domestic violence situations. The police arrives on the scene with a 911 call about a domestic violence situation. The husband has a black eye. The wife is standing there with a frying pan, and she has a black eye. The husband has a knife in his hand. You just arrest both. They, they, get, they let it get figured out after they get everybody through the process, end quote. So he's essentially saying that um, even if... He did catch the molester in the act of doing the molesting. He's only allowed to use enough force to stop the crime. He's not allowed to use excessive force or unreasonable force. And what is considered to be reasonable force is not something the police can figure out on the scene. That is something that would have to be determined by the facts of the case in a courtroom. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But on the surface, it just makes you, again, question the justice of the justice system sometimes, doesn't it? On the surface, you got a guy who sees another guy sexually assaulting a little child and physically stops that assault with some force that you can imagine, uh, you know, one might apply in a case like that. Uh, and then they're saying you did too much forceful defense of the child and now you're going to prison. You know what it's going to do, at least again on the surface? It's going to tell people, don't help. It's going to tell people, don't intervene on behalf of others, because you might then be um, charged criminally yourself. I suppose if I were the kid, the biggest regret I would have, as he kind of said, or not the kid, the guy, the 20-year-old, the biggest regret is posting it on Facebook. He probably went a little too far there and said, look what I did. Look what I just did to a child molester probably feeling really good about himself, but um, uh, perhaps inadvertently making it look like he went too far and uh, putting himself up into legal jeopardy.
But anyway, if you have thoughts on it, 216-901-0945. Maury in Beachwood, you're next. Hi, Maury, go right ahead. Hi, good morning, Bob. Uh, listen, I subscribe to the following conspiracy theory. Uh, I th- I never trusted Rahm Emanuel when he was Obama's chief of staff. I think he faked it at the press conference. I think he knew all about it. I think he, I think he was part of it. Um, there was reports that uh, Michelle Obama's chief of staff was in touch with Prosecutor Fox. Um, I just don't, you know, believe this whole thing. Uh, and I think they tried. You know, part of it was to get get the Mueller report off the front page, and they obviously succeeded since we're talking about this. What do you well, think? Well, yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and I think he probably did fake it. He had to do something there to, uh, you know, to to speak to the obvious, you know, miscarriage of justice there. And and you're right, he probably didn't feel uh, badly about it. Rahm Emanuel is as close to the the Obamas closer than Justice yeah. Millett is. They're on the same. How can side. he not know? How can the mayor not know? Uh, I mean, mean that they, they were going to drop the charges. And they sealed it because Emmanuel was part of it. He knew all about it. That way, nobody could actually, you know, look into it. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can absolutely see that being the case. Um, but, but you know, the superintendent is also saying that neither he nor the mayor's office was told. I can't imagine the superintendent would have been in on this. He sounds legitimately angry. As a matter of fact, as you recall. He's the one who, uh, you know, presented so much of the evidence right. that they found when they charged Jussie Smollett to the media. He was he was accused of uh, of trying the case in the press by Smollett's attorney. So I kind of tend to trust him, and I thought he said that neither he nor the mayor's office was informed, and that's uh, and well, you know, I kind of questioned I kind of questioned that in the beginning too because I think he kind of tainted the case, and I'm wondering if he tainted the case on purpose because who goes in front and, and discusses a case that's possibly will go to trial uh well that that's that part i i, I might not necessarily agree with um because a lot of times if the case he, here's the thing maury and thanks for the call here's the thing um if the presentation of the original allegation was done publicly and this is Jesse smollett um producing his quote-unquote evidence of him being victimized by the two men you know pictures of him with the with the noose or the rope around his neck and whatnot uh the bruises and everything else if he's going to try the case publicly say look what was done to me when the investigation is conducted and evidence that is contrary to what what was being alleged by the alleged victim in this case is found it only stands to reason to me that that be made public as well I don't think either side is going to taint the jury. It's just one side saying, look, if you're going to say this happened publicly, you're going to bring this to the public forum rather than just report it privately and quietly to the police. If Justice Smollett had not gone media star, which was, was, of course, his goal in all of this, and just reported the alleged attack to police, the police, when they did their investigation, would have probably, in my view, reported it this or, or dealt with it the same way, privately. It's a matter under uh, under investigation. But when Jesse Smollett, who did this entire hoax for the purpose of more publicity and to advance his career or his paycheck at Empire, when he does this publicly, I think it is incumbent upon the police to report what they found in the investigation publicly, whether it's going to trial or not. So I, I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I can understand why they did. Uh, let's go to Menner. Christian, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, Christian. Uh, yes, good morning, Bob. Uh, good look, morning. this was... Um 
that Justin Smollett or Justin Bigot story was a convenient distraction to get people to focus, like Murray just said, off of the Mueller good news for the president side of things. Every time there's been a story come out in favor of the president or anybody in his cabinet, they come out immediately within 24 hours of a story that would slam him or that would um, make him look bad in one way or another. And I think it worked. So the focus now is on this story and not just that, but they wanted to tie this to Donald Trump somehow by making him, his supporters look like bigots, look like homophobes. And in reality, Jesse bigot is the real problem and his, his supporters, you see that small it. Well, no. uh, yeah, I um, think you're. I think you're right on a number of of, of counts there. Um, he is, and it is intended yeah. to try to take some of the attention, and it worked absolutely. I spent my show this morning mostly talking about Jesse Smollett as well as a little bit on the East Lake story, and I have not talked about the um, mm-hmm. Mueller report and uh, how President Trump has been cleared of any collusion charges. So you're right; it did work in that regard, and uh, mm-hmm. and and that that was the goal, of, I think, of the. Uh, uh, you know, of the prosecutors and of the leftists in Chicago that, of course, are trying to uh, damage the president well, in the same way. Jesse, it, what are you calling him? Bigette? Yes. Jesse Bigette? I like that. Be, just, yeah, Smollett, Bigette. You see, it's yeah. just kind of a, you know, yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah, the uh, convenience between the Obamas in Chicago and this whole thing coming out with Jesse coming from Chicago and the prosecutor, this is way too convenient. And for all this to happen within such a short period of time, I. I definitely think it was timed and they were waiting for something negative to come up just to t- like I say, this was this, this report that came out was much than they anticipated. And therefore they had to have something to uh, take focus of it and cause a distraction. It's all about distract. Look over here, you know, not over here. Yeah. And look how bad it's a strategy. Are. It's and a strategy look- they use well, no doubt about it. And it, and it was effective in this case. You're right. Because I'm, uh, you know, I'm sitting here, uh, uh, falling for it hook, line, and sinker. I admit it. And I admit also that I've been triggered by it. You know, I know. And what's, what's crazy, Christian, thanks for the call. What's crazy, obviously, is that, um, we know that it was designed to distract and yet we let it distract anyway because, um, we just expect sometimes justice to be served. I had to admit. You know, we all have our questions about whether or not there is equal justice under the law for all people. And, you know, most of the time we think no. Uh, but then some of the time our hope is restored. And, and I went from one to the other with the Smollett case. As long as it dragged out and it became more and more apparent that this was a hoax, and yet the Chicago police refused to identify it as such, saying we are still uh, treating this case and treating Mr. Smollett as a victim, not a suspect, the more angry I got, thinking he's going to get away with this. And then, out of the blue, seemingly, we hear, okay, we are now treating this with Mr. Smollett not being a victim, but as a suspect in a possible hoax crime. I started to think, all right, maybe the system is working. And then they come out with a 16-count indictment on felony charges. And I think, all right, truth wins sometimes. 
And we're going to put this guy on camera, on trial. The whole world's going to see what he did. And hopefully there'll be some jail time here to prevent future occurrences, you know, as a, as a, uh, uh, um, some sort of deterrent, right? And I thought it was working for a while. And then when I saw this happen yesterday, I have to admit, I got triggered and I'm very, very angry by it. I'm very upset by it. I'm thinking thoughts that I probably should not be thinking because I want to remain rational here. But I just think to myself, oh my goodness. This guy is getting away scot-free, and I'm thinking bad thoughts. I'm thinking, I hope he never works again. I'm thinking, I hope no production company, no movie studio, no television company ever hires him again, and he's forced to get a real job, one that maybe in which he's doing, I don't know, community service. <laughs> How about that? For a much, much smaller wage than what he's been doing. I want to see his career ruined, and I, you know, that's not for me to say, and I shouldn't be thinking thoughts like that, but I do. I, I want to see... I want to see steps being taken to the point where he'll never be hired again. But you know what? That's impossible. That's impossible. And we know this because of the reaction of his Empire castmates yesterday on Twitter. They're tweeting about what a glorious day it is because the truth has finally come out and Jussie is being set free. Jussie is not being charged. Truth is known now. That's the way they're spinning this. As if somehow this is an exoneration of Jussie Smollett. And it's not, nothing of the sort. Even the criminally corrupt prosecutors who recommended dropping the charges are saying that this isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean he didn't do it. It just means we don't think it's worth the hassle to try him for it and get a conviction on it. And that is, like I said, that has triggered me in a big, big way. All right, if you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming right back to you next on AM 1424. Forward, we move toward the 11 o'clock hour. Just seven minutes of Outstanding Awesome left for you. Don't forget, uh, Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Also, don't forget, if you have not yet taken advantage of the opportunity, this opportunity only goes to the end of the month, and that is to become a business benefactor and, uh, and, and really help yourself a lot. If you're a business owner, I don't care what kind of business you're in, if you are interested in marketing your products or your services, if you're interested in advertising, we will give you $1,000 of advertising in exchange for a $500 donation to Food for the Poor. That's what the Business Benefactor Program is all about. Look, the people in Haiti are, are dying. Uh, there's violent street protests, government corruption that has cut off resources, including food, medicine, and clean drinking water. And the folks at Food for the Poor are the, one of the few organizations still on the ground trying to help the people of Haiti from that plight. This is your opportunity to help tackle the worst humanitarian crisis in the poorest of the poor, the poorest nation in the Western Hemisphere, uh, worst thing they've dealt with since 2010. And you can do it by giving them a $500 donation to Food for the Poor, which is tax-deductible, by the way. And in exchange for that, we'll give you $1,000 in free advertising on AM 1420, The Answer. That's right. So double the return Excuse me, <clears throat> on your investment uh, uh, donation. Double the return. And um, and you also get to write it off your taxes. It's it's about as big big of a win as you can get. It's a win for the people of Haiti who are going to get life saving medicine, food, and water. And it's a win for you because you're going to get free advertising. We get nothing except for the satisfaction of knowing we're doing something to help. And that's it. We're helping you and we're helping them the best way we can. Call eight four four eight six eight four six seven three. 
That's 844-868-4673. Or go on our website at whkradio.com and click on the banner ad there for Food for the Poor. It's right at the top of the page. You cannot miss it. Donate to Food for the Poor and grow your business at the very same time. Uh, it's uh, a, pro- a program and an opportunity, the Business Benefactor Program, that ends at the end of the month. So please take advantage of it now. All right. Um, so trying to uh, make a little bit of sense of all of this, I want to give you this Fox News wrap of where we are right now of the Smollett charges being dropped. The Chicago mayor, police superintendent and police union boss are incensed by the decision to drop all charges against Jesse Smollett and to seal the records. I have never seen the, the set of circumstances that have presented themselves uh, yesterday, uh, ever before in, in all my years of police work. That's FOP President Kevin Graham. He's now asking the U.S. Attorney's Office to investigate Cook County Attorney Kim Fox, who previously recused herself from the probe. The FBI and U.S. Postal Service also continues to investigate a death threat letter that police say Smollett sent to himself. Which might be the only hope that we have of actually getting a little bit of justice in this case. Now, Kevin Graham, you just heard quoted there from Fox News, join me on this very program a little uh, less than two hours ago. And he said that letter that we sent to the feds, we actually sent last week before this was even found out that they were dropping the charges. We need the feds to investigate the local authorities, including the prosecutor, Fox, uh, who the, because of the way they are treating this. This took place last week. We sent a letter, uh, I sent a letter, to um, the U.S. attorney in the Northern District of Illinois asking for an investigation on the state's attorney, Kim Fox. We had read in the Chicago Tribune about text messages that were um, that were exchanged between the state's attorney and uh, a private attorney in Los Angeles uh, about the Smollett case, and that she wanted the case transferred from the Chicago Police Department to uh, another agency, um, preferably the FBI. Um, we felt that was an outrage because things were going very well in the Chicago case. We had an enormous amount of evidence, um, and what we could gather is they wanted to take it away because we were doing so well on the investigation. Um, it was clear that they wanted it transferred, and there was no real legitimate reasons for doing that. There aren't too many better examples, in my opinion, of corruption than what you saw and what you are seeing and what you just heard uh, outlined by Kevin Graham, the FOP president in Chicago. He is 100% correct. I hope the feds do investigate uh, not just the Jussie Smollett portion of this, but the Kim Fox portion of this, the Michelle Obama attorney and friend portion of this, the... Um, uh, the uh, Rahm Emanuel portion of this, because I am uh, I, I tend to agree with previous callers who have said Rahm Emanuel put on a dogged pony show there expressing outrage. There's no way he probably, well, uh, there's no way he was not in on that. There's no way he did not know about that. Yes, the police were probably blindsided by it, but Rahm Emanuel, who presides over the corrupt government of the city of Chicago, uh, is probably presiding over this as well. So we'll follow this up. That's You are now fully up to date, by the way. We'll follow this up today, and uh, tomorrow's program will bring you the latest. And also, if you make plans to join us tomorrow, we're also going to try to have an update on that Eastlake situation. We're reaching out, even as we speak, to the attorney representing the young man, the 20-year-old, who's been charged uh, in the assault case uh, where he uh, apparently beat up the sexual offender who was molesting a young boy. We'll have something on that local story tomorrow as well. That's all the time we've got for today, though. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer, and have yourself a beautiful day. Enjoy the silence.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.